from the Summer Skate Studios, Analytics and Eyeballs is brought to you by Top Golf. At every Top Golf, it's about fun, climate-controlled bays, increased safety measures with your choice of games, as well as our sports bar and restaurant. See your local Top Golf location or topgolf.com. Summer skates, shower shoes, and koozies customized for yourself or your entire team. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. From coast to coast and beyond, wherever you need to be, Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos has a destination that suits your style. Jets Pizza. With six different styles of pizza, eight different types of crust, to go with all of our fresh toppings, you can let your pizza cravings run wild. Peterson Toyota. Earning the trust of our loyal customers at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins every day for over 50 years. Metro by T-Mobile. Go to MetroByTMobile.com to find your perfect plan, all of which come with the power of T-Mobile's 5G network. M-Drive. Our boost and burn is specifically designed to help get you active, get lean, and burn fat. Get yours at mdriveformen.com. Drury Inn & Suites. Find out why we say our home is your home. Visit druryhotels.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Award-winning barbecue for your next catered event, a concert at Allegiant Stadium, or at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Jordan McAlpine. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans. Indeed, it is analytics and eyeballs. It is uh, Monday night, which means we talk numbers and uh, polls. And tonight, some special uh, talk about uh, players that have decided to forego their senior years or multiple years of college and signing with professional teams. All of that good stuff. So Scott Strandy with you tonight in Centennial, Colorado. We are trying to connect up with Jordan uh, McAlpine, my co-host, but uh, he's having a few issues getting on board. So uh, uh, it's Monday Night Madness, folks. I guess that's what happened. Last week was a total debacle on my end as uh, I lost all uh, um, <laughs> uh, connection, I guess you would call it. Uh, the Internet went out in the hotel I was staying in Kansas City. And... Um, <laughs> and we weren't able to do the show, so we're back now. Hopefully we can get Jordan connected, and, of course, Paul Hornstein will join us the last 15 minutes or so, and uh, we will we will take you from there. But lots of stuff happened in the NCAA world. I know it's winding down, and I know there's only four more teams playing, but, um, yeah, the, uh, the uh, action, I should say, has uh, never been hotter as uh, the teams continue to uh, – impressed with the talent so um you know hopefully uh it will find a very good frozen four i think it'll be the best um so far and that's been a lot of years of frozen four so um we'll uh, we'll see what happens so anyway as we try to uh, connect with jordan i don't know uh jordan are you there yeah, how you doing tonight, Scott? <laughs> I, I called it Monday Madness because last week was my madness. Tonight, the, the show doesn't show up on your board. So at least we found you, and we got you connected, and I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah, we uh, no no Wi-Fi issues this week, hopefully, on your end. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm uh, I'm good, I believe. Um, 
So let's jump right into this thing, Jordan. I know you got to leave a little early tonight, so we'll uh, we'll get into it. And Paul's going to join us the last 15, so we'll let him blabber when you have to go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, we have our four teams in the Frozen Four. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's a good field, uh, especially this past weekend with it. Got to see a lot of good hockey, um, especially I know with myself kind of paying attention to that Duluth-Denver game there on Saturday. You, uh, you've you got the, the best of the best for a reason in the pairwise that are sitting up there at the top. And obviously you saw with Michigan and Quinnipiac last night how uh, offensive and potent a lot of these teams are coming into it. And Minnesota's no slouch. Obviously Mankato, we've believed all year, was going to be in this position, and here they are. And then you throw a very talented Denver team on top of it that uh, three good games out in Boston two weeks from now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was, uh, of course, at Loveland, so I saw the uh, Duluth and Denver game. And I think Denver kicked it back into Denver gear on uh, second middle of the second period against Lowell, and they just continued on. And, man, they, they, the shot attempts, Jordan, on, on Saturday in that game were 26-7 in the first period in favor of Denver. And yet it was a one, one game, which tells you just how talented um, UMD is as well. Well, it also tells you two words, Ryan Fanti, you uh, <laughs> go, going back, going back to St. Paul, obviously in the frozen face off and especially down the stretch for Duluth in the regular season, you, uh, you saw how much that team relied on their goaltender there. And for just reason that, Duluth season was up and down at times. Obviously, uh, they find a way to click at the right time of year and see their run come short. Obviously, Fanti signs a deal with Edmonton today that, for uh, for just reason, it's been building up to that point. But he uh, he gave him a chance, and obviously, y- you even saw that up in St. Paul a week before between Denver and Duluth. That, granted, it's a little bit different situation when your season's on the line and that frozen face-off game, both of those teams had an NCAA regional spot locked up. But two, uh, two teams that are good good structured defensively, good matchup in net, and then at the end of the day, Denver's offense shined through. Yeah, and go all the way back to the coaches because the mutual respect between these two programs, both coaches, both days, um, it said that they had mutual respect for, for each other. And they, they talked about that right at the very beginning of their press conference. So you know that it's there. Um, I thought David Carl did a fantastic job of adjusting. He watched what Duluth did to them uh, in the frozen face-off, and then he adjusted. And I asked him about that because I said in uh, in Minneapolis or St. Paul, you, you tried to go up the boards a lot. And he goes, yeah, and all we did was turn it over. <laughs> and I said, but uh, – Saturday in Loveland, uh, you worked it up the boards, but then you always had somebody in the center of the ice, which uh, when they were able to get the puck to him, he was gone because uh, Denver was flying. So I think that was the biggest adjustment. And then I think the fact that, you know, Ryan Fanti couldn't stop every puck forever. So I know the Oilers are hoping that, but <laughs> but eventually Cole Gutman got one by him. And then uh, as Carter Savoy told me, uh, a lucky bounce was his game winner. Yeah, and I, I will say too with, uh, with that situation out there with Denver this week, and like I just said previously there a minute ago, both teams had good defensemen or a good defensive core coming into it that all you needed is one breakdown or bounce to uh, – kind of turn the tide and Savoy, I saw his post game clips touch on it himself there, but,
But uh, at the end of the day, you'll take the goal any way you can get him and move on. Yeah, and I thought it was really neat, Jordan, that um, I don't know if neat's the right word. It was, uh, I guess, goaltender goaltender understanding because Fanti was asked about that game-winning goal, and he broke it down. I mean, like, yeah, maybe I went too far out. Uh, I saw it come high off the glass. I probably shouldn't have left the crease that far. Uh, you know, it hit me in the back and, you know, and, and this and that. And I'm going like, wow, you have that much detail for that goal? Because the way it happened, I mean, it was just like a crazy bounce. And for him to say there might have been ways that I could have stopped it, I thought was uh, admiral, at be- admiral at best. Yeah, and especially from uh, that goaltending position to, uh, like you just kind of talked about, but also to own up to it there. That uh takes a lot takes a lot of character and a lot of respect. So uh, props to him, and obviously he's had a hell of a run the uh, past two years, I guess for that matter. But especially the past two month and a half, two months of the season there, and I mean obviously early in the season you saw him put up the numbers and have the success that he had. The honors and accolades, should I say, followed whether it was conference awards, the Richter, goaltender of the year, all the above, but uh. His, uh, I want to say his shutout streak was uh, 120, 130 some minutes when it was all said and done and broken by uh, Gutman there. And it's just crazy to uh, see that string of success that he had there. But at the same time, just justified, especially with the contract today. But he's been good for a, a good stretch of time for that Duluth team. You know, and I like the contract uh, that was put out there today by the Oilers. They said he'll go to the Condors on a tryout for the rest of the year. But don't ever think for a minute if he's hot as he was in in the uh, frozen faceoff in the last couple of weeks of the regular season and then into the regional. Don't ever think for a minute if he doesn't light it up in Bakersfield, if they're not moving him up. No, that uh, that, that can't. That won't happen. Oh, yeah. It can't, can it? No, it's uh, the, um, his his contract doesn't start until next season with the organization. Oh, Number yes, two, yes, yes. The, good call. The, tra- the, the trade deadline's already passed, so if you bring him up at this point, he's not playoff eligible or anything like that. So, I mean, I I guess if you're gonna give him a uh, a cup of coffee, as they lovingly say, for a game or two, that you could look into that. But in his situation, his contract doesn't start until next year, so you can't where some guys you'll see burn the first year of their contract. Since he's on an amateur tryout offer, he'll be in Bakersfield. Yeah, good good stuff. I'm glad you brought that up because that is correct. I was uh, I was thinking ahead, thinking that the Oilers might have found somebody to uh, solve some of their goaltending yeah. problems. I know it's a lot to put on his shoulders, but goodness gracious, if there's one thing that they need uh, in Edmonton, it's a goaltending, a stable goaltending situation. <laughs> so, Ed, Ed, Okay. Ed, Edmonton, Alberta, where goaltenders go to die, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Boy, that is all too true. Okay, so let's talk about the other regionals here real quickly, and then we'll spend uh, the next part of the show talking about the signings. And I know uh, Omaha had a bunch. Um, (laughs) We've seen a bunch of other teams lose players. Um, So we'll get into that in just a minute. But just your thoughts on the other regionals. Um, Let's let's start with that Western Michigan-Minnesota game. Uh, I've said all year, Jordan, I just don't trust Western Michigan. They're, they're, they're too up and down for me. Uh, and again, it was one of those games where they were up and they were down, and ultimately they uh, succumbed to uh, the golfers. Yeah, with uh, with full disclosure, I actually did not get a chance to watch any of that game there. So I can't uh, 
I guess I can't talk much on that end, but from that regional as a whole, especially the first game, uh, Western Michigan standpoint, Granger's goal in the overtime that gets reviewed that Northeastern was putting it on him late. And I believe I was standing on his head for, for what that's worth too, on top of it, that, uh, I thought there was a good chance that West Northeastern was going to kind of pull that off there late in the third. Obviously they tie it and force overtime and Western survives, but Minnesota's a, uh, a beast in itself too, that I know Western with a tough matchup there. Um, Minnesota is probably the, for obviously seed wise on top of it, but most people would have expected that to be the team that came out of that region and they do, but at the same time, uh, hell of a run by Western this season. And it's definitely going to be interested to see what Pat Fershweiler's roster can do next year because they are losing a lot. And obviously Brandon Busty is probably going to be signing here sooner rather than later. And you add the fifth year guys, they're losing on top of it. Plus Ronnie Adderd, you'd have to think of signing with Philadelphia that uh, that's a lot to replace on a, uh, on short notice, I guess you could say, even though you have the off season, but for one year to replace all that talent that's going to be losing Western, this uh, this was their biggest chance to probably get something done and obviously uh, make a lot of program first this year for them. They get to that tournament, they get that win, and the run falls short, but definitely a, a lot to hang the hat on for Fershweiler in his first year as head coach up in Kalamazoo. Yeah, I would second all of that. Um, Minnesota State. They do what Minnesota yeah. State does, right? They Dryden just get McKay. wins, and Dryden <laughs> McKay puts the uh, puts a stopper in against everybody else. But that didn't surprise you at all, I'm thinking. No, not at all. And obviously, that uh, that team now knows. Obviously, last year, I think we talked two, three weeks ago. Psychologically, you get over that hurdle of getting that first tournament win over the uh, getting over the hump there. That they. They've proven they belong on this stage for the last two seasons, regular season and tournament. They've shown that they belong and uh, they're riding that momentum going into it. And obviously um, Thursday, Thursday, that would have been with the, yeah, Thursday for the first game. I got my dates all backwards uh, that they weather, <laughs> weather the storm a little bit. there late at the end and survive in advance. And then Saturday, they, like you said it yourself, they do what Mankato does and, Lo and behold, there's a team going back to the Frozen Four. The question now is, uh, Nathan Smith was part of the trade that sent him to the, <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes. So does he look back at it and go, yeah, maybe one more year, Mankato's okay instead of playing in Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> he, he can go join Jack McBain if he signs. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so then uh, the one team in the Frozen Four that I'm um, – I, you know, I think I know what Minnesota is. I think I know what Minnesota State is. I definitely know what Denver is, but I don't know what Michigan is other than a lot of really high-end NHL talent. I just don't know how they're going to play uh, against the speed and depth of Denver. Uh, I want to believe it that that they can that they can match up, but I'm not sure. Your thoughts on uh, Michigan and, and, and getting through uh, Quinnipiac, first of all. Well, what I do know is they uh, they will not be the fan favorite heading into uh, Boston. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> for, uh, for multiple reasons at that. But on uh, on top of it there, even you saw that against Quinnipiac this Sunday, which was arguably the most ex- – especially in the third period, the most exciting period of the weekend probably to watch from a uh, fan's perspective. But with Michigan, 
you've got the firepower, you've got the skill at the top, you've got the hues of the world. Portillo's playing good in between the pipes for them. That even Quinnipiac with a seven four final, if I'm not mistaken, on on Correct. last night's game, yep. that uh, going up against whether it's Minnesota, Mankato, Denver, any any of the three teams that you'd potentially face this weekend, you're uh, you're not going to win in a seven four fashion with that high scoring of a game with it. And obviously Quinnipiac's no slouch either, but Michigan's third period, at least to me, threw up a lot of red flags that. Uh, Quinnipiac had them on the brink right there and probably, I mean, for a couple minutes there looked like they were going to tie it right and all the momentum that they had going into the third period. But I look at that Michigan team and I just, of the four, and me saying this means they'll probably uh, prove me wrong by saying this, that I, I don't know if they're... <laughs> Denver if they're, doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't know if they're the team that I would say is built for the postseason, if you know what I mean by that. And just exactly the, know the, what the you style mean. of game that you're going to have to play to win two games out in Boston. And that uh, that talent and draft picks and everything else that comes with that will get you so far, which obviously they've proved that so far. Your top players have to be your best players at this time of the season. But I, uh, I don't know. When it comes to a matchup, I, I just don't see them, uh, whoever they play of those three teams that they'd potentially meet in Boston, I would honestly probably give the edge to all three in that situation. Yeah, well, we know they're going to get uh, the first game of the day, and we know it's going to be against Denver. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if they can get, uh, get past that. And, you know, for, for that matter, too, that I, I will say to kind of counteract that, that is the matchup that I, I think Michigan wants of uh, whether it be playing a Minnesota or a Mankato or playing Denver in that situation. Denver the last few weeks, and obviously we've talked about it both on this show and even up in the press box at St. Paul, that uh, the frozen face-off in the last few weeks of the season, there has been a lot of tinkering going on. There has been a lot of kind of trial run, feel it out to get prepared for the postseason here. I uh, Denver can turn it on, but when it comes to going head-to-head with a Michigan, I think there are ways that the Wolverines can, uh, can match up well with the Pioneers. But uh, the, the offense on Denver and obviously the talent and ability of that top line second line on top of it with Rizzo, Mazer, and Wright there that I uh, I like the depth and I like the balance on DU's lineup going into that game. Well, they'll all be happy to hear that. I will see those guys <laughs> tomorrow. Um, but anyway, um, when when I look at Denver and what, they, what they've done, and I, I talked to Coach Carl about this again. I said, all year long you've been telling me it's all about national championships at Denver. It's not about – getting to the frozen four. It's not about winning a game in the frozen four and getting to the championship game. It's about adding number nine to the national championship list. Okay. So uh, once again, I'll say this, Uh, I've watched them win a lot of hockey games this year. I watched them win the gold pan. I watched (laughs) them get a share of the Penrose cup and I have never seen that team really totally excited. They, they win the regional, and again, they're not over the top excited. I mean, you saw what Michigan did with uh, dumping the the Gatorade or the water on top of Mel Pearson. I mean, there were teams that were just thrilled uh, to be there, and Michigan seemed to be one of them. I, I think Denver just all season, and even right now, Jordan, I think they're thinking 
we're not done yet. We haven't reached that goal. We'll celebrate when we reach that goal. And I just don't know if that will be enough to carry him. Yeah, and that that's something that uh, starts at the top and trickles its way down, whether it's from Coach Carl, obviously the uh, upperclassmen and leadership, whether it's the Ryan Barrows, Cole Gutmans of the world, obviously Brink is part of that group on top of it. That uh, Even going back to NCHC Media Day, you could sense that, that they have the uh, the eyes on the prize and the the one goal, one job, one thing to do type mentality that they uh, – They've got their eyes on the prize, like I kind of said there with heading into this weekend, that the you look back at the celebrations, um, or, or lack thereof, I guess, to counteract to your point there, that they their focus and their drive has been evident all year on top of it, but especially at this time of the year, you uh going into Boston that I I'd say they're the most business like team, may possibly if that's might be a little bit cliche, yeah, but at the same though. time with the mindset that David Carl has instilled in that program out there, they, uh, they're there for a reason. There's work to be done. And you, you and I know it, that this has been a building block process for them from opening night all the way up to this point that uh, everything's been trending towards this. Yeah, absolutely. Two other points I want to make about Denver is I thought Cameron Wright who's been really good all year and the only grad transfer that Denver took into their program this off season. Um, I thought he was a lot more, what's the right word? Uh, leadership, uh, I guess is the word I'm thinking because he was talking to the officials. He was all over the ice. He was talking to his line mates and he always does that, but I've never seen him quite as animated and vocal Um you know, to the officials and to his teammates. And when he scored the goal, that was the game winner against Lowell. Um, he was really excited about that, but he reminded me afterwards that uh, the goal was the big trophy and he wasn't there yet. Um, and then the other thing was I, I, after Magnus gave up that first goal to Duluth, they just, you know, Denver just peppered him. And then he gives up what a lot of people would say was a soft goal. It was from the point. I, it looked like he was trying to, uh, anticipate a uh, deflection and it didn't happen and it just got by him. But from that point forward, Jordan, he was so locked in. He looked like Ryan Fanti did for three straight games before that. He, he just looked like there was going to be nothing more that's going to get by him. So I, I think that's a good sign if he can hold that uh, focus and mentality um, for about what, 10 more days or something like that. Yeah. And I will say too, kind of on a side note there, huh? You talk about Cameron Wright's goal against UMass Lowell. I don't know if uh, if I have enough words to describe how pretty of a goal that was. <laughs> yeah, hand-eye coordination, getting to the right spot, full speed. Um, yeah, it it was it was incredible. Um, so that's what we got. I want to ask you quickly about the the, the teams, um, Saint Cloud State in particular. David Rennick, we found out. Um, I guess it was Friday, Thursday night or Friday that he had pneumonia. Yeah. And what a, uh, what a crazy I, situation. <laughs> and I guess, I guess they knew it in St. Cloud, the media there, but they were told to keep a lock on it as you would anticipate, but man, how important, and I don't want to take away anything from Jackson Caster, but it's really hard in the goaltender position. If you haven't been seeing shots in game action all season long, for the most part to jump in in some very, very important games and, and play goaltender, uh, under these circumstances, but um, 
Your thoughts? Could St. Claude have won with David Rennick? Yeah, that's a good question. It uh, obviously makes makes a big impact. That uh, uh, I, that's a tough one. I know Rennick up his, this season, his whole career at St. Cloud State, for that matter, has been really up and down. On top of it, that you uh, you don't know what David Rennick you would have gotten in that regional game if he would have been in between the pipes for them. <clears throat> that uh, now, if we would have been talking like a Ryan Fanti situation at Duluth or somebody in, of that realm, I might say a little bit otherwise. Hrenick, between him and no discredit to Jackson Castor on this, but I that's obviously enough of a uh, drop that obviously makes a makes a big difference. That it, and even looking past this year, that Hrenick obviously just signed today with the Kings organization for St. Cloud State. That uh. Goaltending is going to be a big need that they need addressed up there, and I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I'd if I'd go as far to say that they would have won that regional game with that, but it obviously would have made a difference. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm totally going to agree with you on that too. I, I you know, and uh, I've known Jackson Castor for a while now, being a an Arizona kid, so I don't want to take anything away from him certainly because he gave it his best effort. And uh, I just think it's a difficult position to be in. And it would have been interesting to see what would have happened had he not had to be in that position and they've been able to, uh, to go on from there. But, um, well, and, I, and I will add real quick too on that, that from that team standpoint as a whole, I, uh, them getting knocked out of the frozen face off could have been the best thing that happened for them from a recovery recharge standpoint. But they're, uh, throughout this season as a whole, their St. Cloud State was one of those teams that you sat there expecting and waiting for more to happen, especially with the expectations and group that they had coming into this season. That uh, I was actually liking the way that they looked coming into the regional. And on top, when you lose, under the assumption that Hrenik was going to be back in between the pipes for them, and when you get that news right before puck drop a little bit there, that, uh, that changes the mindset. So it would have been interesting to uh i know it's a game of what ifs and hypothetical that we'll never know but it definitely would have been interesting to see what that difference would have been for the huskies yeah totally agree with you all in all um i think we got the best four teams uh in the country in the frozen four i've called it already perhaps the best frozen four um talent wise and uh and the thing that i really like jordan is you got the goaltending obviously of minnesota state You've got the speed and depth of Denver. You've got the NHL talent latent roster of Michigan. And then you've got Minnesota, which is a mix of everything. They got solid goaltending. They've got NHL talent and they've got some depth. They don't match Denver's depth, but I don't know that I can remember uh, a frozen face out or a frozen four that's included four completely different teams like that that could all win it if they're able to play their style yeah and like you said that uh all four teams have a little bit different makeup here and bring a different element to the table that uh each of them has kind of plugged their way through the regular season and been in that consideration of the top team in the country for different reason that uh it'll definitely be interesting in the matchups though because at this time a lot of the year you have two of the heavy grizzled vet laden teams that go into it with the playoff experience or mindset, or you have two strictly skill power where 
goaltending isn't a factor or whatever the case. But like you said there, you've got four teams that could all beat you in different ways that it's interesting to see how they match up. Okay, let's take a quick break. Let's come back, and uh, we'll get you started first on uh, on the signings that you know of, uh, specifically the uh, the guys in Omaha, because there was uh, quite an exodus, wasn't there? Yeah, still going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Okay, we'll be right back. Let's save it for that. Then we'll let you get out a little early, and uh, Paul Hornstein will join us and give us his two cents worth, as uh, he always does. So uh, we'll be back in about three minutes. best college hockey conference ready for you wherever you are however you want to watch your favorite team is on nchc.tv on your phone tablet or stream to your tv subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv if it's nchc hockey it's on nchc.tv At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom phil kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite nhl player or shout out your own game with your own number Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. From the Summer Skate Studios, this analytics and eyeballs indeed it is it's monday night scott strandy with you from denver colorado tonight my co-host as always jordan McAlpine from omaha nebraska at least i think you're in omaha you've been all over the place but uh are you tucked in in omaha tonight 
I'm I'm a world traveler, but I'm back at home tonight, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we talked about the Frozen Four the first half of the show. I know you got to leave a little early, so I'm gonna let you jump in <laughs> and uh, and tell us a little bit about. Let's start with Omaha. Um, the guys that have signed. Who are they? Where did they go? And were you surprised, or was it expected? Yeah, I can honestly say I haven't. Of all the off-season moves that Omaha's made so far, or players off Omaha have made so far for that matter. The only one I have been a little bit surprised by um, was goaltender Austin Roden leaving. He's their backup for most of the season, but at the same time, um, from talking to a few people around him, kind of get the, uh, getting the gist of what went into it and completely understand his uh, decision. And obviously from a purely playing time or opportunity standpoint on top of it, he goes to a good situation out at Providence and uh, the other part about it, which obviously I'll get into it here, but if you're in his shoes and you look at what's potentially coming back on paper for next year's Ro- Omaha roster, definitely a lot uh, TBD and up in the air. So that, uh, that one was the only one that I would say hasn't came as, or has been a surprise, but just going through them, uh, Taylor Ward signs with the LA Kings. He's actually probably had, a better thought than I, better start than I would have thought with the Ontario Reign out there, and he's on their top line, producing offensively. Obviously, he had a good year in Omaha, good career for that matter here, numbers wise. Um, and he goes to a good fit out there in the Kings, signs a one-year deal. Brandon Scanlon, junior defenseman, who for myself and a few other people here, I would have thought he was leaving after last year, but he decides to come back has a career year offensively, gets rewarded with the contract with the New York Rangers. And he's uh, also got off to a good start with Hartford, their AHL affiliate out there, but he signs a two-year deal. Um, Isaiah Seville signs his entry-level deal with Vegas. I think <laughs> I think everybody that uh, is around the Omaha program could have seen this one coming from the day that he stepped foot on <laughs> on, on campus his freshman year to now. Just with the, with the timing of that matching up, three years here, becomes one of the uh, more reliable goalies in the NCHC, and he was good for this Omaha team. Gave him a chance, kept him in a lot of games, but obviously uh, when you're when you're drafted by those by an NHL organization, they want you in their hands so they can. Uh, develop you and have a say in whatever's going on in your career path and understandably so that he uh, signs with Vegas and goes to Henderson right away Um, and then the other guys who've signed pro deals so far were both fifth year guys and Nate Knepke and Brandon McManus. McManus obviously transferred here from Minnesota at the start of the year. Um, Both of those guys were good for the Mavs Uh, McManus goes to Abbotsford Knepke goes to Rochester both of those guys on ATOs so they'll be in the AHL for the rest of the season, and a lot of the time with those ATO guys, you're you're on a uh, tryout offer for a reason and trying to audition yourself for next season and beyond to get another deal out of it. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens with them. But the uh, the real interesting thing to come out of the Omaha news realm the last week or so has been the transfer portal. Even today, um, yeah. I, I had report, reported that defenseman Jason Smallage was the latest entry, and he's already the third Omaha guy who's went in this offseason. Uh, I, I will say, too, with Smallage that he only played in eight games this year, got limited by a wrist injury, that the writing was on the wall kind of of um, if he comes back that – who knows what the playing time is going to look like and who knows if he'll even end up going anywhere that with 
last year's Omaha team. Uh, they had sev- seven or eight guys go in the portal, and one of which didn't end up go- landing on his feet anywhere else. That that uh, that could be a similar similar situation with Smallage, especially with school being as big of a part of it as it is for him. But uh, Roden, I talked about, and then the biggest domino yet to fall is Chase Primo, Omaha's top center, goes into the transfer portal yesterday. Um, wow, that had uh, to be a shocker, didn't? Or I mean, it shocked me. It uh, the the transfer portal was uh, I was from everything I had, whether it's talking to him or talking to other people, that I was expecting it to go more so the pro route. That uh, that market didn't exactly um, formalize how he expected on top of it, and when a similar situation to or situation similar to what I talked about earlier. When uh, you look at this Omaha team on paper next year, that he's got one year of eligibility left to uh, whether it's go back out east closer to home. I'd, obviously, he's a f- right outside Philadelphia. He lives in a, or is from Margate City, New Jersey, out there on the East Coast. You go back closer to home and get a good fit there, or you go to a uh, perennial contender for one more chance to win and expose yourself. That Primo had a lot of interest. Uh, I actually had a big feature I did on Chase on Friday. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> if he, at the at the end of last season, um, and this was part of that story that he had options to go pro from multiple organizations and made the decision to come back. He uh, gets injured, misses a handful of games early in the season, comes back, finally starts to get back to uh, back to Chase Primo. And COVID hits the team. He gets hit by it, gets impacted for the next month or so, comes back, gets sick again, and missed the Denver series when the Pioneers were here at the end of February. That it seemed like a never-ending list of uh, adversity and getting battle-tested throughout his senior year that it's definitely going to leave a hole in the Omaha lineup. Uh, You lose your top center. You lose your top power play guy. But at the same time, it was to be expected. And I don't know about if I'd say the portal, but him not being in the lineup next year, I, uh, this is just me speaking on this without talking to the coaching staff that at least I would think you would have had to have expected that to be the case there. You look at his line, him and Taylor or Taylor Ward on top of it's gone. They lose Scanlon off that power play unit. McManus is gone. There's no denying that there's going to be a lot of roster turnover, but from Primo's standpoint, he, uh, He'll land on his feet somewhere. Obviously, centers don't grow on trees, especially guys who have had as much of a offensive track record as he has. And he's, I mean, you you bring four years of experience in an NCHC team, and let's not forget he's a year removed from being an all-conference caliber player in that conference. He uh, he definitely already has heard from a lot of schools, and there's definitely a lot of interest out there. So it'll uh, be fun to see where he ends up. Yeah, no doubt. I guess the uh, the one that was not a surprise was the deal that Jake Sanderson got, the uh, sophomore from North <laughs> Dakota. I mean, that was kind of the the biggest no brainer out there, right? Yeah, it's what a uh, from North Dakota fan standpoint, you uh, you have a generational talent come in and Jake Sanderson, and it's similar to similar to what I talked about with Primo right there, but to a much bigger extent, one thing after another with injuries and the world juniors and everything else that has came and gone that uh, it's been hard to have Jake Sanderson in the North Dakota lineup the last couple of years. It sound seems like, but when you have Jake Sanderson out there, 
it is a, a clear game breaker and takes over a game in every sense of that imagination there. But like you, like you said, uh, I think you could have seen that coming from miles away. Okay, so before we let you go, um, hold on. Hey, any guys. more thoughts? Any more thoughts that you have on uh, NCHC teams that uh, or players that are leaving NCHC teams that uh, we need to know about? Yeah, the uh, the big position is goaltending. Uh, the the NCHC goalie carousel, I guess you could say. Uh, coming coming up, obviously, Fanti signs today. Omaha is in the market for it, and they've already been going after multiple guys in the portal. There's a couple of which that I think that they've uh, been been in or significantly interested in. That I would expect something to f- uh, formalize there in the pretty near future but who kn- who knows at this rate with the transfer portal lighting up as much as it has um north dakota obviously adds drew de ritter out of michigan state which kind of surprised a uh, a few of us that cover the conference but that's a uh, relock and reload i guess you could say up in grand forks you go from zach driscoll to another grad transfer there but just looking around the rest of the conference don bassey's out at cc ryan fanty's gone at duluth Brandon Bussey's, I, if you're a betting man, I would put a, I'd put a good amount of money that Brandon Bussey is not back at Western Michigan next year. Uh, who knows what the Magnus Corona situation is going to be like, but if I had to guess, he's gone off of Denver next year on top of it. You look up and down the conference, there's, uh, there's six of the eight teams that are possibly going to be needing a new goaltender next year that you look around the country in the portal. Um, McClellan from Mercyhurst is in there. Griegel's from Alaska, which that's a goalie that I know a lot of schools are going to be and should be uh, coveting, especially with as much success as he's had with the team that he's had in front of him. That uh, he uh, he'll be in high demand. On top of it, Northeastern's freshman um, uh, TJ. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the last name on it. As I know. It's a uh, septum something. I don't have the, the name in okay, front of me. Okay, but... How about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not we'll, TJ we'll, 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 we'll go with <laughs> no. that. But he uh, with and that's another interesting one outside the NCHC that with Devin Levi on that team makes you think that he's going to come back for another year if a uh, freshman behind him entering his name in the portal. But um, obviously, R- Roden from Omaha's came and gone out of that market there. The Ritter's now going like I touched on that it's a uh, it's a big game of musical chairs, but especially in the NCHC, that uh, you're going to see a lot of turnover at that position, whether it's freshmen coming in or schools going to get another guy out of the portal. All right, well, I know we got uh, Paul teed up, but I know well, you got to go. So uh, just give me give me thirty Paul. seconds. Give me thirty seconds. Okay, fire away, Paul. Okay. <laughs> well, this is not even a matter of fire. I think. People have to understand when we look at the transfer the transfer portal is they really should look at it as two different portals. One for the skaters and one for the goalies. Yeah. The goalies are like quarterbacks in college football. They want to play. You can only play one guy at a time. It's not like the rest of the positions where you can dress seven defensemen or 13 forwards. And it's, it's got to be looked at as a separate entity. And I know that Omaha has uh, uh, a freshman coming in, Simon si- Simon, Simon Lakotsky, yep. And he was great in the World Juniors. Yeah, he his numbers are, but I will say the one thing I'd caution as a whole on him is uh, – or, or not caution for that matter, I guess I should say, is his numbers throughout the USHL this season – 
have been a, a little bit questionable at times, but you got to take into effect the team that he had in front of him. That I know they uh, got off to a slow start there that kind of uh, derailed the numbers. But you just touched on this, Paul, and this is one thing that I will say that uh, I think college hockey fans or college sports fans, for that matter, I guess need to take into account with the transfer portal, especially with the goaltending position. A, everyone wants to play. B, the other thing from these kids' standpoint is even I look at a guy like a Roden or DeRitter in that standpoint, when you're undrafted at the goaltending position and you want to play beyond college hockey, you got to put up the best numbers that you can possible to uh, obviously attract yourself and market yourself for it, that when you play in a conference like the NCHC or the Big Ten, that uh, where you've got that firepower, where you've got the offense, where guys are drafted in the first round at Michigan for a reason. When you've got those right. guys coming down on you on a nightly basis, if uh, if you have another option elsewhere with a uh, stronger defensive team on, in front of you, obviously that uh, – and even I look at a guy like a Ludwig Pearson out at Miami that you almost wonder if that's a possibility or if it's a matter of time for him to enter the portal. You can uh, definitely – enhance your chances both in college and beyond by who you have and what you have in front of you. And I do think that is a similar or that is the reason for a lot of these goalies that have looked into the portal. And then on top of it, that uh, now there's only four teams left playing in the country that it's open season for anyone and everyone to search for a new opportunity. And that's the, I, I know from Omaha's standpoint that that's kind of the rock in the hard place that they're caught in between is and even like I look at a CC for an example is you got Maverico coming in from Lincoln right and the USHL if you have a freshman or you have a recruit coming in do you and do you really want to go out and get a sophomore or junior or whatever the portal no. and have someone who's going to have term or a couple years left or if you go out and get a fifth year, sure, it's great to kind of bridge that experience and bridge the gap for it. But at the same time, you have to ask yourself the question of, do you want to jeopardize your future of one kid for one year of a fifth year or a transfer in that matter? That uh, it's There's so many different moving parts and factors that go into these guys entering and the decision process behind these teams. And it's also interesting to see how teams go about it, where you look at a uh, Omaha's now going on about two, two and a half, three weeks where they uh, kind of the writing was on the wall that you were going to be without your goaltenders there and there's still nothing filled. And then North Dakota has DeRitter in the fold a day and a half after uh, (laughs) uh, their their season's over that, well, with that, though, is teams kind of have the option of you act right away and potentially miss out on somebody who enters the portal later, or you wait to see what's out there and you end up being the odd man out where everyone's gone. That I I do think it's interesting with as many teams that are going to need a goalie that uh, upper echelon college hockey goalies don't grow on trees, once again, to use that line. But at the, nope. it's, it's true that uh, – teams have a different approach and it'll be interesting to see where everyone ends up. 
And you're a thousand percent right on Devin Levi. He's not okay, going anywhere. Let, let the kid go. He's got, go, he's got go, places go. to go. <laughs> uh, somebody has to have a life. We don't. <laughs> so, Jordan, thanks thanks for coming on and, uh, and, and giving us the insight. Uh, we'll have more insight again next week as we prepare for a Frozen Four. Go ahead and get your stuff done. Paul and I will yammer on about what else is out there, including uh, Arizona State's best year ever of pro signings, which I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> we'll dig into that in a, in a minute. So keep your eyes on the portal. Uh, one thing to quickly remind people about is that once you're in the portal, doesn't mean you have to go. You can come back, yep. correct? Yes, you can. And there, there, uh, there are a lot of situations of guys that are in the portal that I don't foresee that being the case. Um, that even with you, you look at Denver last year with their mass exodus at the end of the year. I know Ryan Barrow was a guy that went in the portal for about three weeks and was back on the DU roster that there is technically nothing, nothing forcing you to, uh, exactly cut your ties once you enter the portal but at the same time there's got to be a mutual understanding and agreement between coaches and players and more often than not when that happens uh once you're in the portal you're in there with the intention and reason of moving on so yep fact and that might be why ryan barrow doesn't wear the c right now Uh, (laughs) (laughs) anyway we will uh we will get on with it Uh, have a good rest of the evening and we'll talk to you again next week yep see you guys next monday all right jordan all right, Paul, hop into this thing because okay. Arizona State just had uh, what they announced as their best ever professional signings. And, um, man, how many was it? I see at least five. Well, let's see. Um, we get to this. Um, uh, Tim Theachardis, Theachardis, he signed. Jacob Wilson signed. Two. Uh, Jack Johnny Becker Walker. Signed. John, well, I'm just going to kind of – in somewhat of an order here. Willie okay. Neerham signed early. Um, uh, and Colin Tyson, and this is obviously alphabetical, and Johnny Walker signed with Utah uh, in the ECHL. Um, you know, we know there's going to be at least one guy in the portal, if not more. So uh, the ASU roster will have a big overhaul next year. I don't think there's any question about that. And I think you're going to see a lot of teams. You know, we this might be a situation where the and, – and, I, you know, you don't know this yet, but could go from being the oldest average age for rosters to one of the youngest with all the guys leaving. Yeah, here's the thing that, that I wonder about, and I, I use um, a, a variation of things. Denver only took one person into their um, onto their roster from right. the portal last year. Um, they they talked about pioneer together. They've talked about tradition since the very start. How do you build a tradition in a program? And I'm going to use two of them as examples in in an Omaha, for example, and for Arizona State. If you're not keeping guys around and you're bringing in portal guys year after year. And I know you're going to lose your seniors and your fifth years. That's 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 obvious. But um, how do you stabilize and actually build something uh, in a short and I do mean short NCAA season compared to everything else? How do you do that if if guys are in and out and and how do you build a cohesiveness? That team know. at Arizona State, Paul, that that went to the tournament 
with, that was led by the uh, Passionates, um, that team was there from the start, and they were like glue. And I just think it's really hard to uh, to have a guy for a year. It's like the one and dones in basketball. If you're not phenomenal and uh, can get to the championship uh, right away, boy, year two, they're probably all gone. Well, listen, this is – I'll say this. I, if I'm a coach – I don't want to build my team on the transfer portal. I just don't. Yeah, I don't blame you. When you recruit guys, you bring them into your to visit your program, and you bring them in to visit with guys that are that are here to and and, and uh, have a certain bonding and body in and, and and so forth and so on. I I don't want. Uh, I'm not saying you're not going to have one or two every year because that's just kind of the way it works. And like I said to Jordan before he left, I'm not counting the goalies in any of this. Uh, you, you absolutely can't count the goalies because we know what that's like. But Okay. Um, I mean, we knew as soon as Caden and Berico uh, committed – to CC, we know one of those guys was gone. And exactly the same thing at Arizona State with right. the Gibson Homer, right? It's going to take me three years, by the way, to say that right. I'm <laughs> going to, I'm, I'm going to have to fight it so hard to say it the other way around, to not say it the other way around. Gibson Homer, it is. Yeah, I mean, um, listen, I, I hope he's as tough a goalie as his namesake, since we can't really. I'll compare. Um, well, from what I've seen, Kirk Gibson to 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 to, to, <laughs> yeah, to Ken Dryden. So, um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what I saw last year in the uh, under 18s, and what I've seen this year at the Chicago Steel. Um, he is every bit as tough as his name is to say, or well, get right. I should say it's not hard to say. It's just a matter no, of putting it in the right order. It's just a matter of not trying to bat, reverse it. So let um, me throw out these names at you, Jared Gorley. Signs with the ECHL Adirondack. Um, um, let me see who else we had here that I saw today. Um, goodness. I'm, I'm sure that there's a list of pro signings somewhere. There, Yeah, I'm looking at the list right now. Oh, Max Balanson. He signed with the ECHL well, Cincinnati. Senior, yeah, I'm, these are seniors. Both both of them were in, the, right. in the senior list that I'm looking at right now. So, But uh, what I'm saying is um, – that means in a very short period of time, Arizona State has had talent. Now, here's the thing. What, what's the goal? Is the goal in, NC, in NCAA hockey to win championships? Well, I'm going to give you three options. Win championships, develop players for the professional ranks, or common, uh, uh, do both. Well, I, I, I think that you have to do it in a realistic fashion. I'll just say this from the ASU standpoint. Um, the green and white team, Terry's favorite team, um, our buddy Eddie Christian's favorite team, um, you know, they had a 60-year head start. They went through the, the quote-unquote developmental stage where 
that you where the two are not the the two are not separate from each other. Yeah, and I think that's right. what it's, it's like that's I, what schools want to do. They want to build that. Right, but, but you have to build it by by winning first. Right, and I and and I don't think you can just grab a bunch of guys. I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm waiting to get Coach Powers on again so we can discuss this uh, from his perspective. But um, yeah, you had a guy like Colin Tyson come in who was phenomenal, but it, you kind of upset your apple cart. You lose a guy like Willie Neerum. I still think if Willie Neerum stays and plays, that he might have been one of the missing pieces to get them a few more wins. Would it have been enough to get to the national tournament? I doubt it. But uh, he was a mainstay last year in and the year before in in building cohesiveness. And I just think if you lose cohesiveness in college, you've you got a real problem. And, wow. uh, the, and I think too many people from the transfer portal can cause a lack of cohesiveness. Well, let me throw another wild card in there for you. There are now 20 to 25 more stalls to fill. You don't think that's going to create more havoc? Of course it is. Yeah. Poor Brad Schlossman is just pulling his hair out and he doesn't well, have much to start with. <laughs> yeah, but I'm talking about, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Okay. Team number 62, 63. I'm not sure. Once again, the numbers are back and forth. Um, and our buddies there at Lindenwood, we, you know, he's got to bring in. And they had a very, obviously, they won the ACHA National Championship. But he can't go into next year with that same roster. No, and he wasn't planning on it. He has, no, I can't imagine he was. He, he probably has six guys that will carry over from that, uh, yeah, so that's that roster. 20, that's 20 more roster spots. That yes, and, and I think he's already had, obviously, um, some. and hopefully we'll have Rick on maybe tomorrow, and uh, we can ask him about that. But I think he's already recruited. And that's why I think that uh, it was essential that they made the announcement like they did last week. I thought maybe even that might have been a little bit too late, but, um, you know, he knows what he's got. He knows what he has to do. And like you say, that'll uh, open up some spots for other places to, uh, or other um, players to fill in spots and help build that roster. And that's what we want to see, right? But I, I guess getting back to my whole point about the portal and the guys leaving, the guys leave every year. The portal's gotten to be a little bit too easy, especially after COVID. And and I just think that, um, that I'll, I'll, I'll use the example of the four teams in the frozen phase out or the frozen four. And I guess, I don't know if you heard me say it or not, but those are four. I don't listen to anything you say. What are you yeah, I didn't think about? so. They are four completely different teams, right? right? I know what I have in Denver. They're, they're deep, they're fast, and they're together. There's no doubt about it. Um, I don't know about Minnesota because they've got NHL talent. They got a goaltender that came in midseason uh, or took on. over the role. And well, that's and I don't know the total cohesiveness because they got an own goal scored on them uh, in, in the Big Ten Championship, and they came unglued for about a period and a half. And then they were grabbed it again and got it back together, but it wasn't enough. So I'm not sure what Minnesota has. I know what Minnesota State has. They've got a goaltender that they can ride all the uh, way to let's, as let's, far as they want to go. And then, no, let me get the four, then you can comment. Um, then the last one is Michigan. And Michigan, we all know they've got the most NHL quality talent uh, of any of the four teams. But 
do they have what it takes? Do they have the depth? Do they have the cohesiveness? Do they have the want to? A lot of these guys are already looking at their NHL careers going like, hey, guys are signing now. Guys are, the guys are going to play. and I, I still got to play a couple more games here to win this trophy. Uh, I just think I, that there's I, I, a lot of stuff up in the air for every team. You know, it's it's not the same now as it used. I mean, these guys all have quote advisors, and there's communications back and forth. But let's 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 one two three, four five six seven eight nine ten, eleven twelve. You know how many NHL draft picks Den- uh, Michigan has? Did you just count them for me? I did. Twelve. Right. <laughs> you know how many draft picks Denver has? Probably close to that. Eleven. Okay, so, um, but know, but here's the difference, Paul. Well, the difference. Listen, are the are the 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 little numbers, are the 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 numbers there a little different? Are there lots more ones and twos on the Michigan side? Yes, but it's not the NHL. It's college. But here's the difference, and and I'll I'll say this till the day I die. Denver has been working this um, since Cameron Wright was the first guy to pass the uh, the summer conditioning and working out. He came here in June to start working out right. uh, and and getting used to his teammates and and doing all the things that he was allowed to do with the strength and conditioning coach. Um, they've been together and they've been focused on one goal and one goal only. That's winning a national championship. Right. Now look at Michigan. What has Michigan had this year? They've had guys that went to the World Juniors. Denver only had one. They had guys that came back from the World Juniors. They had COVID. They had their uh, unfortunate date where they couldn't play Western Michigan. They had guys go to the Olympics. They guys come back. How in the world do you build cohesiveness in a 34-game season when, when that's what your roster has looked like? Well, this is once again, that's not unusual. Oh, that's highly unusual. For one year? That many players? Listen, is it for that year to have that many players going different places and COVID and refusing to play a team? But every every, well, that's a different conversation. No, Um, it's all it's all one conversation because what I'm saying is the cohesiveness I want to see from Michigan. I want to see it on Thursday when I get to um, to Boston. I want to see that cohesiveness because I haven't seen a team yet that that's as cohesive as what I've seen at Denver. Well, you, listen, um, it's going to be a situation where that matchup of styles is two teams that have a similar style, unlike the other game where the other maroon and gold team, by the way, 14 draft picks on that team. Okay. Um, they're not exactly uh, playing the, the left-wing lock of Jacques Lemaire either. But you know who kind of does play that way? Minnesota State. Minnesota State. They're the oddball in this in this Frozen Four. Yep, and they and hopefully every... will find out this year if last year was a difference maker for them. Well, um, let's put it this giving way. over the hump and using the experience because they're gonna they're gonna face all kinds of adversity with Minnesota. It's every not a lockdown style, but Minnesota's gonna come in 
with, you know, let me, let me rephrase it back to the eighties when I was at Minnesota Duluth, Minnesota would come and play Duluth and their chant was, we're Minnesota. You're just Duluth. You think, you think that's going to carry over to say we're Minnesota. You're just state. Absolutely. It is. And they're going to try to get in their heads. If, if, if you want to talk about the mindset of that other maroon and gold team, we can get into that, but that has nothing to do with, um, and I, I don't know if that's the fans, the fan base or the team. I, I don't know the team. I, I know what the fan base thinks. Um, I only know this, that every save that Dryden McKay makes, that check gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger to have to write for whatever NHL team signs him. If he is not drafted and, <laughs> and don't think he's not going to write, he's not going to be getting a check in about six weeks. Yeah, it's just a matter of how big. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, it, we all knew this portal thing was going to happen. We all knew that the defections are going to happen. If you want to call them that. I, that, I guess that's not the right word. The signings. Um, but I think one team that's already hurting on it. And I think Jordan alluded to it as best he could without getting himself in trouble is uh, Omaha. Uh, they're like almost in a complete rebuild. They've lost every big piece that they had. Um, from Taylor Ward to Isaiah Seville to uh, Chase Primo. I mean, uh, how in the world do you do you rebuild that and compete in the NCHC? And and then you look at what Chris uh, Mayotte's doing at Colorado College, just slowly going about his business, building the program the way he wants to build it from the ground up. He's uh, he's not losing a lot of guys, it appears, and he's picking up guys that are going to be, quote-unquote, a little higher quality talent and maybe um, uh, I don't know, maybe fit his style better. So there's a program that's on the rise. Omaha is kind of in flux. Denver is no doubt going to just reload based on what they have coming in next year. And, and North Dakota is always in their state of flux because their guys hardly ever stay past two years. So, you know, I mean, I, I just think it, I don't know. I, I, it's a big can of worms. We got all summer to talk about it, oh, and yeah. uh, we're running out of time now. But anyway, that was my my point is that what's happening right now is is happening quicker than I think it's happened ever before because of the portal. Right, because guys want to get somewhere where they know where they, they want to get that spot before somebody else takes it. Yes. Yep. And I think that's causing a lot of chaos. And I, I think like I think I know. And I think this year the Frozen Four. Those four teams that, uh, and like he said, they all have their little advisors so that they know what's going on. But man, if you're not a star on one of those teams and you want to go somewhere, you may have lost a spot here or there by of people that already left. Well, listen, we're gonna, it's it it the, the the good part about it for us is it gives us more stuff to talk about. Yeah. yeah, that it does. That it does. You got to read, by the way, since Jordan had to leave early. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, uh, remember, I'm the one that writes them all. I figured you. I figured you'd have it, but I wasn't sure if you had it at your disposal, not knowing whether Jordan would be here all night or not. But he had a commitment that he had to get to, so that's why I wanted to push him out of there. He said, "I have to be done by nine twenty Central Time." So I'm going to go. Goodness. I have a pile of papers here. Okay. From the, yeah. from the summer One of them skates, will work. <laughs> from the Summer Skate Studios, Analytics and Eyeballs has been brought to you by Dreams and Sweets. 
Drury Plaza Lake Buena Vista, the newest official Disney World hotel, is booking now for stays starting this October at DruryHotels.com. Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to our $60 a month plan, which includes an Amazon Prime membership. See one of our stores for details. Buy Summer Skates. Whether you use your own name and number or that of your favorite player, show off your game and style with personalized shower shoes and koozies. See SummerSkates.com for more information. Buy Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com. No one knows goalies' needs better than we do. See our website or our three Valley locations and more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where our food sums up one word, perfection. Buy M-Drive, supplements to fuel and refine your drive at mdriveformen.com. Peterson Toyota, our staff at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins, works hard to make sure you get the right car that fits your needs, new or pre-owned. Jets Pizza, more than just great pizza. You'll love our wings, sidekicks, and more. Find the location near you at jetspizza.com. And by Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, where the action is from the Atlantic to the Pacific and around the world. Analytics and eyeballs in all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Very well done. That's why we have such a great team around here, because anybody can step in at any time. Um, again, my apologies for the uh, debacle of last Monday night. Um, it, Nobody remembers. It, it's not going to happen again. I can uh, guarantee you that. I will be better prepared, and I'll be ready to go. So we got through another night. Tomorrow night, Paul and I will join you with our staple, College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Uh, hopefully, we'll have uh, uh, an Somebody. exciting guest coming on. I'm, I'm working on it as we speak. Uh, so hopefully, that happens for us. And, of course, we've got the Frozen Four, again, to continue to build up. Tomorrow, I'll be on the uh, press conference with the uh, four coaches and hopefully get some insight out of there. There will be nothing, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Nothing that we don't already know, but I'll, but I'll be there anyway. And then I'm going down to uh, University of Denver and uh, doing a couple of quick features with a couple of guys that I think are going to be difference makers if the uh, Pioneers are going to win the national championship for the ninth time. And we'll, we'll get into the debate about why they have the only team in the mountain time zone playing the first game. And I know some people here in Denver don't care. I do care. I know you care. I think it's ridiculous. I don't know the reasoning. I hope somebody tells me the reasoning. And one final thing, I will have a sit-down coming your way with the outgoing commissioner of the NCHC, Josh Fenton. We're going to sit down. We found a, a date, a time, and a place, and uh, we're going to sit down and do it. So look forward to that. It's, it's always great to talk to Josh and pick his brain about college hockey and, and all things that uh, are administrative in this sport. All right, we'll say goodnight with a little uh, Hello New Day from our friends at uh, Roger Klein, the Peacemaker. Good night, everybody.